Aptus, episode 118. Sweat the small stuff. John Wooten is perhaps one of the most famous coaches of all time. He's won something like 10 national championships. I believe he had seven consecutive championships at one time. And he's just a good guy, good coach. You know, he had a lot of different ways in which he helped these players excel and exceed. He's famous for having his pyramid of success. And he also just said a lot of things. He was able to put complex ideas into simple terms that everybody understood. And one of the things that John Wooten said that so simple but makes so much sense is this. Small things make big things happen. And this is so true. You know, you start thinking about small personal habits that make big things happen. You know, Knox was doing dishes the other day, and he was lamenting that he didn't really enjoy doing dishes. And I told him, I said, I've never seen a millionaire with dirty dishes in the sink. Why? Because the little personal habits tend to make big differences in our life. You know, you, you see little things that, that people do that make a big difference in movies or in art. You know, it, th- these little things make big things happen. At the same time, it's wild how many times small details have led to massive tragedies in life. You know, in 1986, the Challenger exploded. You know, shortly after the liftoff, uh, little rubber O-rings caused a massive failure in the solid rocket booster and seven people died. They started, they started to deconstruct the, the, the catastrophe afterwards, and they determined that the cold weather affected those rubber O-rings, and so they weren't able to expand fast enough, allowing that hot gas to escape, ignited the rest of the fuel, and caused the Challenger to blow up. Rubber O-rings are not expensive. You're talking 2 to $3 a piece. You know, I mean, it seems like such a small detail, and yet seven people died. You know, I was reading the other day that the Titanic, it sank in 1912, and they speculate that if there would have been binoculars in the crow's nest, that those guys in the crow's nest probably could have seen that iceberg, and they would have been able to divert the ship and not hit the iceberg. And we know ultimately 1,500 people died for that. You know, think about that. Uh, binoculars, two or $300 pair of binoculars on this massive ship that thought about every other detail. They had the grand staircase. They had the fine china. I mean, it was a work of art, this ship. And yet they forgot a small detail of binoculars. 1,500 people were dead, and this beautiful ship is at the bottom of the ocean. You know, what does this go to show us? It goes to show us that, that these small details or small oversights can have some significant and far-reaching consequences for, for us. And this is terrifying in our leadership when we start thinking that little details can sabotage what God wants to do through our life. Now, at the same time, small details can bring richness of life. You know, I was reading about the statue of David that Michelangelo sculpted. He, he sculpted this between 1501 and 1504, and this sculpture is just a renowned masterpiece of Renaissance art. And I don't really understand anything about Renaissance art, but I, I would like to see this, this sculpture, uh, sculpting of David because it's massive. Uh, you see like picture of it, it doesn't look that big, but when you see somebody standing next to it, the scale of, of, of this statue is unbelievable. You know, and David looks poised, ready for battle to fight against Goliath, but that's not, that's not what makes that statue so renowned of Renaissance art. It was the detail that Michelangelo put into the muscle structure of David. And you start looking, you can see the muscles in his forearm, the little, the little tiny muscles that he sculpted into his forearm bring a sense of realism into that stone. And it, it's amazing to look at. You know, when I thought about that, I, I started thinking about Michelangelo. He could have just foregone that detail of that tiny little muscle in his forearm. He didn't have to put it in there. It still would have been an amazing work of art. It still would have, you know, stood the test of time. 
But Michelangelo knew that detail mattered. And so he put it in there. And now we are still recognizing it hundreds of years later. He did something with excellence. And that detail allowed that excellence to come forth. And here's what I think. I think most people desire to do things with excellence. I have never met a person who said, I want to be terrible at everything I do. However, few people achieve the level of excellence that they actually desire because they fail to sweat the small stuff. Worrying about the small stuff, sweating the small things, the tedious things is a hard job. It's a, there's a lot of hard work involved in that, and it's a turnoff for a lot of people right out of the gate. So they don't want to do it. They don't want to worry about the details. I, I think 99 out of 100 people, if they were able to make the statue of David, they probably would have left that small detail out of the forearm. He, they would have left that muscle out. Michelangelo didn't do it, and he created excellence. You know, sweating the small stuff is difficult, and a lot of people don't want to do it. However, I think that there's another reason why sweating the small stuff seems to evade people. And and this is what I really want to talk about. Leaders often fail to distinguish macro vision from micro vision. I, I was thinking about this challenge for, for church leaders. Like, like why, why do we struggle sometimes to create things with excellence? And it occurred to me that, that there's, a dis, there's a difference between our macro vision of something and the micro vision. You have to distinguish the micro mindset from the macro mindset. Those are two different things. Now, here's the challenge. You need both. Excellence will never be achieved without a macro mindset. Like You, you have to have a big picture of what you're trying to accomplish. But then you're going to have to have micro intentionality to actually see it come to pass. Excellence cannot be achieved just with a vast vision in your mind. Excellence has to be has to be achieved with meticulous design of intentional detail. You have to have both. You have to have the 30,000-foot view, and then you have to be able to zone in and look at every detail associated with it. It's like Google Earth. I, I can see the entire United States, but then I need to be able to scroll in, and I need to be able to look at my house just south of Jay, Oklahoma. Now, Let's use an obvious example to kind of illustrate our point here. And, and, and let's say a women's Bible study. We, we just had a women's Bible study here at the church. It was an excellent event. They did a great job. Let's use that as an example, okay? So we, we can't just say that I want to have a, a, a women's Bible study and then just you know show up on Saturday. I have to think through some details. I need to have a macro mindset. I need to have a macro vision of what I'm trying to accomplish with this Bible study. So I need to answer some questions. You know, what do I feel like God is leading me to accomplish? You know, what 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 are the themes of the messages that I'm feeling led to? You know, do I, do I want this to be a deep Bible study or do I want it to be more lighthearted? Do I want it to be both? You know, what's the win of this Bible study? Do I want it to be educational in nature? Am I trying to make it discipleship in nature? Am I trying to get people to build friendships around the word of God? Like, what is it I'm really trying to accomplish? For the sake of this conversation, let's say that I feel the Lord is leading me to share examples of the Bible of women who overcame family crisis. Like that's that's going to be the topic. I feel like there's a lot of people in our church right now that are struggling with with family dynamics, and I want to exhibit women in the Bible whom overcame family challenges. And my hope is is that while we're getting vulnerable talking about family challenges is that personal discipleship and mentorship moments will happen because, because some, some people who have had family crises will share their testimony and it'll help build the faith of everybody else there. Okay, great. I have a macro view of what I want to accomplish, and most church leaders stop right there. 
that's where things start to go off the rails for most church leaders because they, they might ask some micro questions like, do I want to have food every week? Yes. Do I want to have four testimonies? And have I reached out to them? Yes. But that, that, that's about as deep as they go. They, they don't go any deeper than that. They stop asking questions. And the moment when you stop asking questions at the, my, the, at the macro level, you're not going to have the attention to detail. It's like, it would be like Michelangelo taking, you know, his big chisel and he knocks out the frame of a, of a, of a man. It wasn't until he got the fine chisel out and started putting in the details that did, that David came forth from that marble. And a lot of people are knocking off the rough edges and they have a semblance of what they want, but they don't have the detail in there. And the detail is what's going to make things pop. So if you want to achieve excellence, then you got to go to the next layer of questions. The next layer of questions need to be answered. Things to this level, for example, you know, where am I going to get the ice at? Because we want cold drinks. What kind of place do I want to put the food on? You know, am I going to have anything on the tables when they walk in, you know, like flowers or mints? Do, do I want to have handouts on the table? Do I want a backdrop behind the speaker to stand in front of to kind of break the, break the vibe of the regular cafe? What kind of atmosphere do I want them to walk into? Lighthearted? Do I want fun music playing? Do I want serious music playing in the background? Like, what do I want? What about a welcoming committee in the parking lot? Do I, do I want a welcoming committee out there to greet the ladies as they get out of the car so the first thing they experience when they come is a smiling face? Because I know there's going to be a lot of visitors that are coming that might be nervous, and so if they see a smiling face in the parking lot, they might be more, they may be more apt to in, engage in the discussion. You know, is it possible for somebody to wash every single car one day? That would be an interesting thing to think about. What kind of slides do I want on the screen while the speaker is communicating? Do I want to have handwritten encouragement notes at every seat for the ladies who come in? You get the idea. The depth of questions you ask at the micro layer is probably going to determine the level of fizz that you're going to have at your event and the level of excellence you're going to have. Now, some people might say, well, that's tedious. That just, that ain't worth it. Well, you can have that opinion. That's fine. But you just need to know that if you only deal with the macro issues, you're going to have a lot of dysfunction and there's no guarantee that your event is going to go smooth and there's no guarantee that you're actually going to accomplish what you you intended to accomplish. You just have to understand something about Americans. Americans live in a day and age where the marketing from the world has gotten so good that we only understand professional communication. We only understand professional events. So when we do things halfway without going to the micro level, it's going to be very difficult for us to communicate. It would be like me going to Mexico trying to speak English to everybody instead of Spanish. I'm not speaking the right language to, to, to get people's attentions. And in our day and age, people speak the language of excellence because technology and communication has afforded the world a, a point in which they can communicate at a very high level. And so we have to do the same thing. You think about Disney, the level of detail that they focus on is unbelievable. You think about Hollywood and level of detail they put into movies, unbelievable. And you, you, this might just wear you out. You might not want to do that. But I'm just telling you, excellence is founded in the micro level of detail. You have to have that micro mindset and design there. Now, when you start thinking about it this way, you start seeing that there are pockets in every area of your life that would benefit from attention to detail. Sermon prep. Let's just be honest. The depth of questions you ask of the scripture are going to determine the depth of understanding you have of that scripture. You have to have a micro understanding of the passage. Team leadership. The detailed communication to your team is going to set them up for success. How detailed am I in my communication to them? 
because the level of detail is probably going to determine the effectiveness of my communication to my team. Personal outreach. Going to the same restaurant every week seems like a small detail. But if I go to the same restaurant every single week, it's going to start opening up ministry opportunities to the people that I'm around. Personal habits. You know, what small details in our personal life are we overlooking? For example, how many lives would be changed if people looked at the details of their personal finances? It'd be game-changing for a lot of people. John Wooten was right. Little things make big things happen. So sweating the small stuff will probably allow the vision that God has given you to come to pass. But what I do know for sure is that neglecting the details is also going to sabotage the vision. You can't have it both ways. So how do I start sweating the small stuff? How do I start to exercise micro-intentionality mindset into my life? Well, here's some, here's some thoughts that I want to give you. So the first is this. Slow down and put in the investment of answering all the questions. People who achieve excellence tend to be people of action. Lazy people will never achieve or do anything of significance, period. I mean, this is scriptural. You know, we are created to work hard. However, people who achieve excellence also understand that the hardest work they will employ in any endeavor is to slow down, sit down, and put in the time to ask all the pertinent questions. They will employ the power of focus. They will roll that endeavor around in their mind over and over again, formulating every question that, uh, that time allows them, and they will savagely set out to answer those questions. You will not be, be detail-oriented until you have a deep understanding of what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you intend to pull it off, and who is responsible for what. And frankly, that takes time. That takes a lot of hard work. So before you start the hard work of doing anything, you know, to physically pull off whatever your endeavor is, you got to do the hard work of the mental reps by sitting down. Second thing, change of place brings a change of pace, which results in a fresh perspective. One of the challenges of sweating the small stuff is that routine blinds us to unfinished details. And this is a real challenge. You know, it, has this ever happened in your in your house where where there's a pair of shoes in the middle of the living room and it's been there for so long it's just now white noise and nobody notices that there's a pair of shoes in the middle of the living room? You know, this happens in church all the time. We're, we're unaware that we have a tick in our preaching, you know, or we're unaware of the smell coming from the foyer because it's been there for 10 years and we've just gotten used to it. You know, there's a hole in the drywall that's always been there, so we just don't notice it. Complacency is a natural byproduct of faithfulness, and faithfulness is a good thing. Like, we want to be faithful to the Lord and to serving the Lord. We want to be faithful where God has planted us. I, we, we can't be successful without faithfulness. However, a natural byproduct of that faithfulness is going to be complacency. And so you have to break your routine from time to time in your environment long enough that you notice things that need uh, a fresh look. So change, change the pace. You know, break out of the routine for a day or two. Get outside of the perspective Start evaluating things. So, so when you change the place of where you're at, you know, you get out of your routine just a little bit, you start seeing a fresh perspective. Third, if you are not detail-oriented, then you're going to have to allow people in your life who are, and you're going to have to let them lead. Here's the bottom line. You ready for some hard truth? Highly functional people will not associate with dysfunctional people. So if, if this is not a strong suit for you, you have two options. I can either force myself to start learning a little bit, which you probably should do, or I have to allow someone into my leadership circle who is detail-oriented, and I have to give them the freedom to run with some things. 
You have to surround yourself with some people who do focus on the details. Listen to them and let them push you a little bit. Now, I don't know if I'm high-functioning or not, but here's what I do know. I will not associate with incompetent people. I'm just not going to do it. I've made that decision. I will not do it. So if you want me on your team, then you better be competent. And if something is outside your skill set, then you better tell me what it is and let me do it. Otherwise, I'm not going to run with you. And I think a lot of detail-oriented people are that way. I think a lot of people who are high-functioning are that way. They're just not going to associate with low-functioning people. And I think detail-oriented people tend to attract, attract other detail people. So if you, if you struggle with this, you're going to have to manage some details just long enough to get some people on your team. Fourth, as a bonus, don't settle for your first idea. This, this is a little bit of a, this is just a little, you know, small detail in this talk, as it were. Uh, in almost any endeavor, don't settle for your first idea. Most of the time, the first idea leans more macro and allows you to formulate the idea, but the revision tends to start to bring out the micro and allows you to add some spice. Personally, I see this the most in my sermon prep. The first draft allows me to get the big ideas down, but the second and third draft and revisions really allow me to start to um, connect with the people as I've seen it. So we need to sweat the small stuff. And here's the thing about the small stuff, the small details. Small things are really easy to do. Let's go back to the women's Bible study for a second. You know, how difficult is it to go buy different plates? It's not. You know, how difficult is it to find a different playlist? It's not. You know, a lot of times we start talking about details that can feel overwhelming because there's a lot of them. But when you really start looking at the small details, none of them are difficult to do. That's why small things, you know, personal habits. How hard is it really to make your bed in the morning? It takes 30 seconds. It's not that big of a deal. How hard is it to put your dishes straight into the dishwasher instead of leave, leaving them in the sink? It's not. It's just about having the power of consistency to actually follow through on doing it. But here's the cool thing. They're easy to do. Small things are easy to accomplish, but they feel like quick wins. You know, when you, when you show up at a restaurant and, and you do something out of the norm for somebody, like they notice it. I remember reading a book a while back. It was called The Power of Moments. And, and one of the highest rated hotels, I believe it was in L.A., what was this hotel that wasn't really that big. It, it, it wasn't that fancy. You know, you walked in, it was clean. The rooms were nice, but it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a Ritz-Carlton by any means, but it had the highest reviews. And so the guy who wrote the book said, I got to figure out what it is. And so he went there and he realized that they had a couple little details that really just made this hotel pop. The one that really stood out to people the most was that uh, by the pool, there was this red phone. And if you walked over to the red phone and you pulled up the, pulled up the receiver and you talked into it, there was a voice at the other end of the line that asked you what flavor of popsicle you wanted. That's all, the, that's all that phone was for, was to order popsicles. And say you wanted the red one. Well, there would be somebody who was going to walk down with a silver platter with a red popsicle on it with white gloves, and they were going to hand you a popsicle. Talk about easy. Right, popsicles are ten cents a piece. Silver platter you buy one time. Red phone was probably vintage. I mean, easy, and yet it became one of the highest rated hotels. Why? Because that small detail was easy to do, but it brought a quick win. And frankly, sometimes small things can get you back on track. Sometimes you feel like uh, you, you know the ministry's going off the rails a little bit. You know, life's going off the rails. You start looking at little things you can do that are easy to bring quick wins. It starts to get you back on track. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the power of consistency because th th this is really a part B to this talk. It, it, 
if you focus on the small things, but you don't consistently do the small things, then it doesn't matter. Don't even start, you know, but sweating the small stuff is important and it it allows life to pop. So what small things are going to make a big impact? I, I made a little list of things. These are just things for you to think about. This is just a practical list, little things that you can do in your life every single day that make a big difference. And let me just read this list. I'm going to leave this with you. Read your Bible every day. Exercise three times a week. Read something every day. Always have one missional relationship in your life. Return all correspondence in a timely manner. Make a budget for your finances every single month. Write handwritten thank you cards to your team. Pick up the trash in your yard. Wake up before 6 a.m. every day. Show up five minutes to work. Make your bed every single day. Small things make big things happen. Sweat the small stuff.